MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, and special edition this week, there will be a Tuesday show for the Los Angeles CityCast instead of Wednesday because I will be going to Las Vegas this week for some work with VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, the Sports Betting Network, uh, the network that I work for uh, beyond hosting this lovely podcast. So for that reason, yes, we will see a Tuesday show this week instead of Wednesday. So instead of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, got Monday, Tuesday, Friday. But first, we have the Monday show. And before we get into today's show, I just have a personal anecdote that I want to mention that I think is so funny because you live in Los Angeles and people will ask you like do you run into celebrities and you're like no like I mean yeah maybe you like see us you have a sighting right like from a distance or something like that um, and I feel like if you live in Los Angeles long enough everybody has a celebrity sighting sure but I now have a celebrity collision because I saw James Harden at the Century City Mall and just about ran into him just about yeah it was embarrassing. Don't uh, text and walk, guys, is the lesson learned. But I just think it's funny, I guess, to run into celebrities or professional athletes in a setting in which is so normal, like them just like shopping. And I'm like, hey, we're in the same spot. We're in the same place. What's up, James Harden? So anyways, that was a fun thing to see. And of course, I texted Will Hill, host the New York City cast, to let him know immediately about this encounter. And uh, he's like, well, how does he look? How does he <laughs> see look and uh thankfully i didn't see him with any you know shake shack or anything that should be of concern apparently taking his training program very seriously i thought he looked good uh but 
time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, speaking of time, it's about time. Let's get into today's show. We have our hot or not list, of course, since it is Monday show. I'm going to try to incorporate the hot or not more frequently. Let's make that a regular thing on Mondays. And then, of course, MLB. We have the Dodgers at the Cardinals going on Tuesday through Thursday. So no Dodgers or Angels baseball on Monday, actually. And also Astros at Angels on Tuesday as well. So we can take a look ahead to those games. And then we'll get into the WNBA. All-Star Weekend just went down. We have some things to discuss about it. And yes, the next games we will see, five of them on Tuesday. We'll preview those on the Tuesday show with Calvin Wetzel, who did an incredible job last time he was on the show uh, and does a great job with Spread the Floor from her hoop stats. So look forward to Calvin Wetzel on Tuesday to break down those five Tuesday WNBA games. Uh, But we'll talk All-Star Weekend and more. MVP, Future of the League later on in the show. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. So let's get right into baseball, of course. The Dodgers still sitting at plus 450 on the World Series odds on Bet Rivers. The Yankees at 4-1, to one, so have edged them out as of the last few weeks. The Astros are behind the Dodgers at plus 575, oddly enough. And the Angels, yes, you asked, right? 120-1. to one. For the World Series, not so much. Not looking good. Uh, as for the American League odds, the Angels are 45 to 1. Still not looking good for them. The Dodgers, meanwhile, at the top of the National League odds here at plus 240 to win it. The Mets behind them at plus 380. I was going to say I don't hate that, but honestly, if you're getting Dodgers at plus 240 and you're a Dodgers fan, I would rather have that ticket, obviously. <laughs> than the Mets one. Uh, as far as uh, the odds for MVP, we have to take a look at where these are sitting now in regards to Shohei Otani. Obviously, Aaron Judge still at the top, if you can believe it, at even money, plus 100. I believe it was Gil Alexander who hosts a great show called A Numbers Game on VSIN. It's a great one to check out. That you can also find, I'm plugging a different podcast now, but VSIN Best Bets is a great place to find. This podcast actually shows up on there as well, the other city cast, and also all the shows that VSIN offers after they've aired, and they put them up right after. So if you ever miss one, you can check it out. Uh, I like to sometimes when I'm doing like my hot girl morning walks, whatever those are, whatever those are but I'm doing them now. Uh, I'll put on a podcast and I I like listening to a numbers game in particular. And Gil was pointing out that Aaron judge, perhaps not necessarily all that to be at sitting at even money here at plus 100. And also he had Jason Weingarten on his show. Who's a great baseball handicapper. Also worth checking out um, Twitter at spreadopedia and was also on with us last season towards the end of the season, dealing with the Dodgers in the postseason, And, virtually said that you must just have a lot of liability on Aaron Judge to have the number be this low because him sitting at plus 100 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Shohei Otani, however, at plus 175 makes all the sense in the world. But we've heard a lot more discussion about him in regards to the AL Cy Young Award. And right now he's sitting at 10 to 1 there. Now, it's unfortunate because, again, if you'll go back with me, Ben Wilson, great VEASAN host as well that we had on the show a couple weeks ago, great baseball breakdown, if you will. And... When we had him on, not but two weeks ago, Shohei was sitting at 40-1 to 1 at Bet Rivers for the AL Cy Young, and you guys must have moved those odds because now sitting at 10-1 to 1 with only Garrett Cole, Shane McClanahan, and Justin Verlander ahead of him. So is it still worth a look? I mean, it's, it's hard to say after you had 40-1 to 1 so recently, but there it is if you want it. And in case you're wondering, we'll take a look at the WNBA odds as well. For the MVP, Asia Wilson. Even money. Brianna Stewart, plus 175. 
Kelsey Plum, six to one. We'll get into this discussion a little bit later on. And if you're looking for a single LA player, let me show all 43 participants because we're going to have to. Yeah, there it is. Neka Ogumike at 60 to one. She's playing really stellar lately, but her team, however, not helping her a lot. And that's going to really affect, unfortunately, those MVP votes. Uh, and the Sparks odds for it all to win. LA Sparks at 100 to 1 still alongside a bunch of other teams here. The Mercury, the Wings, the Lynx, and the Dream all sitting at 100 to 1. Honestly, no. Mer Mercury 100. Someone asked me about the Mercury the other day. Still no for me, even if you're getting them at 100 to 1. I know. It's Diana Taurasi and, and co. And it's hard to imagine them not making noise in the playoffs, but they just have had such a horrific season so far. Potential there, absolutely. Skylar Dickinson-Smith, Diana Taurasi, et cetera. They lost to Tina Charles, of course. And speaking of, Seattle Storm sitting at 4-1 to one now. Interestingly enough, the Washington Mystics still at 12-1. to one. That's my one ticket I have right now is 15-1 to one on the Washington Mystics. And the Aces still the front runner at plus 150. You can find all these odds and so much more at Bat River Sportsbook. Uh, before we move on, though, you can always swing for the fences on Bat River's online sportsbook this week. When you make a first time deposit using code DERBY on the Baseball Home Run Derby, sign up is super easy with the Bat River's online sportsbook app, or you can visit betrivers.com, deposit $100 to receive a free Bat River's bet for home run hit, or deposit $250 and get the total home runs for the entire Derby as a free Bat River's bet. This offer is valid July 11th through July 18th, so download the BetRivers Online Sportsbook app today and use code DERBY when you make your first-time deposit. So visit BetRivers.com to see all the latest odds, boosts, promotions, all running through this baseball season. Bet with a winner. Bet with BetRivers. Uh, let's move on to our hot or not list. I'm going to start off the not list, unfortunately, with the WNBA All-Star Weekend. And I'm going to put a little asterisk and specifically reference the fan experience. Now, I cannot speak to this personally. I was not there. I was here in Los Angeles. But what I will say is the friends of the show that have come on were were there and uh, others among the WNBA glitterati, if you will, were there and were very vocal on Twitter. You got to love WNBA Twitter. I mean, I love NBA Twitter too. The drama, the tea, it's exceptional. And WNBA Twitter is no exception. It's just right on par with that. They'll let you know. They'll let you know how you feel about something. And WNBA Twitter was not happy with how this weekend was run. Uh, the WNBA Skills Challenge, first of all, there was tennis going on. Am I right, guys? Was there tennis? I'm just kidding. There was, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so it, because of the tennis, WNBA Skills Challenge was moved to ESPNU, which they tweeted out and said something like, Heads up. Oh, that was what it was. Heads up. WNBA Skills Challenge moved to ESPNU from the WNBA account, which, like, good thing we were all refreshing Twitter trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and good thing everybody totally has ESPNU, right? Could you, I mean, could you make this worse for people? Honestly, like, they can't even get to it. They can't even watch it. So the crowd at home can't watch it. And then you did not even sell tickets to the public to watch the Skills Challenge or the three-point contest. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And it's funny because uh, I believe it was Calvin Wetzel, but I don't want to stick him in the middle of this, but uh, that was tweeting. Yeah, I believe it was. That just tweeted out that those contests were really, really fun to watch. And it was too bad that the public wasn't able to be in there and watch the skills challenge or the three-point contest. 
Uh, yeah. Wasn't that the whole point? Aren't those supposed to be fun events that we get to watch? Is the whole, what, like, what, what was the point? What was the goal? I, I don't understand, but it definitely fell short. And then overall, just lacking planned fan activities, it seemed. And it makes me sad to see that this is the way it was, because obviously you'd want it to be a lot better. I know there was some comments about how the city of Chicago didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it relative to the other events that were also happened to be going on literally the exact same weekend there, uh, because perhaps Commissioner Kathy Engelbert was a little bit late in confirming with them. But whatever the reason, it was just not, not up to par. Not up to snuff, not at all. Uh, one event specifically was a concert thrown by Chance the Rapper, and it seemed like a great chance to kind of like engage fans. Uh, but no, it was it was not open to the public. And the reason that Kathy Engelberg gave was that they would have loved to have that opened up to the public, but they had security concerns. And she cited all of these issues in the past: Mandalay Bay shootings, really, Chicago, Uvalde, Buffalo. There's a lot of concern about outdoor events, and unfortunately in our country, so we're trying to do the best we can. Okay, love that. Love a safety moment. But the Taste of Chicago was taking place, what, two miles from McCormick Place, where the WNBA's outdoor events were being held? Limited, as they were. Seems seems like bull. Seems like bull. Sorry, it does. Um, but all that to say, the hot part of the WNBA All-Star Weekend was the W itself. The players were excellent. Uh, the format was not my favorite. We'll get into that later on in the show, but uh, I will say that the talent is there. The product is there. We just want to watch it. Just make it so we can watch it. Actually, Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson in their after presser uh, were asked, how do we continue this momentum or this energy that's surrounded by the W or, or something to that effect? And Kelsey Plum immediately was like, making it easier to watch. Like, so you don't have to go through a bunch of different apps. Asia Wilson made the point of, yeah, why is there not gear in every city that has a WNBA team in those airports? People are asking, where can I get gear? And they're only open on game day. That's an issue. You should be able to get that gear anywhere that you can get the other sports teams. If you walk by a store that sells Dodgers gear, you should be able to get Sparks gear in theory, right? So just expanding access. People want the product if you just let them see it. So... All that rant to say, not so hot with the fan experience, but the product's still still doing excellent. Also on the hot list from WNBA All-Star Weekend, Allie Quigley in the three-point contest. I promise they aren't all WNBA ones, but these ones are just fun. Allie Quigley wasn't even supposed to participate in this. Last year, she won the three-point shooting contest. She is phenomenal. The form, it's excellent. They make shooters in DePaul, let's just say that much. But she wasn't even supposed to compete, and she comes back and goes, all right, well, you know, my wife's are already, you know, or what." Already, already going to be an all-star anyways. I'm already going to be there. Uh, so she comes in and she participates for, I believe, a sixth time. Has now won four of six. Yes, she's won three of five before that. So yes, fourth time winning the three-point contest in the sixth time she has participated. She nailed every ball in the last rack, by the way, which were the money balls that were all worth two points. So each rack around the uh, three-point line had one money ball per 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 rack and then the last rack had all money balls and she actually won by the second to last rack which was so funny to watch um she needed 22 points to win she hit the 22 moves on to the money ball rack and sinks every single ball just for a little a little vigorish if you will uh scored 30 points needed 22 to win beat him by nine insane and then they asked her after and she's like smiling like you won't see me again and that's not like coy like i believe her this time it was in chicago why would she not participate it's in her backyard uh but Allie quickly 
They and and Sabrina Inescu said it best. She said it's incredible they should name her, this contest after her, and they really should. So let's name the three point contest after Allie Quigley. She won it four times. Come on, insane, insane. And also to uh, the betting point, we talked about who to bet on here. I said. Kelsey Plum is interesting. She had the highest three-point shooting field goal percentage of the players that we mentioned. Ariel Atkins was somebody we talked about as well. I believe she became in second place. But I said not to go with Kelsey because I didn't think she was the most consistent shooter here. It was funny because talking to Daniel Mattia leading up to this, who is also a great handicapper, been on this show, I talked to him because he was at he was at this event, and I said, who's, uh, who's winning this? And I asked him about Ariel Atkins because that's who he had talked to. I said, is she winning this? And he said, it's hard to imagine not Kelsey. Kelsey's so confident. And I was like, listen, Kelsey's going to be confident. This this girl barks on TV all the time. She went up to Tom Brady, introduced herself, and barked at him. The confidence is there. We know she's going to be confident. That's not an issue for me. So it ended up not being Kelsey, of course. And we did talk about Allie Quigley being just the incumbent. You have to sprinkle some money on that. And my one thing, though, and, and you know, not quick to forget here, I did say that she has not been up to her normal level this year, and that has been the case, and that that would be my one reservation is she wasn't shooting as many threes. But you can't fight form, and she has this contest down to a T, nailed it, so hopefully you had some Allie Quigley money. Uh, also on my hot list, the Dodgers, period. <laughs> Just the Dodgers. I mean, no, there's more within that list, of course, but they're 56 and 29 right now. They swept the four game series versus the Cubs. They've won seven straight and 11 of their last 12, not to mention they overcame most recently on Sunday, not one, but two different five run deficits. Who does that? Who like they were down the first inning, I believe five at uh, the top of the f first, and then they come into the bottom and they're like, okay, we're going to come back. We score three runs, I believe. Then by the second or third innings, the Cubs put up three more runs. So they're up by, you know, eight to three, up by five again. And the Dodgers come back from that yet again. So what team? Who, who, I mean, you, here's the question. Should you be down by five twice? <laughs> that's a valid question. But the point is that they were able to dig themselves out of that. Who can say that they can, that's a team that can do that? The Dodgers, they have the offensive prowess to do so. Now, as far as All-Stars and those who were not selected as All-Stars, also on my hot list, and not even an All-Star, Freddie Freeman went four for five in their win over the Cubs on Sunday. That's a nice response to you were not an All-Star. Has 11 games this season with at least three hits, tied for most in the majors, not to mention his 11th homer of the season happened on Sunday and gave the Dodgers that 10 to 8 lead. It's just, it's kind of comical, but like, sure, okay, he's not an all star. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, uh, both all stars, Clayton Kershaw, Tony Gonsolin. Tony Gonsolin's been Mr. Reliable. And it's funny because I've been hearing some talk among the sports betting community, if you will, media, that regression is coming for Gonsolin. And that's probably true. It's baseball. But I think it's a little bit disrespectful in a way. <laughs> I do. We see these reliable guys come through. Why not, Tony? But Julio Rios, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith left off the team. Here's why. I mean, you have to have every team represented, first of all. And Pete Alonso of the Mets was voted to the all-star roster by the players. And then first baseman CJ Cron from the Rockies was a commissioner's pick. And again, the Rockies only all-star, of course. So that's kind of how that shook out, unfortunately. But nevertheless, without becoming... An MLB All-Star, Freddie Freeman still made it onto the Los Angeles CityCast hot list. And isn't that what really matters? 
No, it's not. Let's move on to the Angels, uh, who are also on the not list yet again. Two and nine in their last 11 games, just got swept by the Orioles and have just been generally horrendous, but especially horrendous on the road. Five and 21 record over their last 26 games away from home. They've won five. Five of the last 26 away games. Horrific. Fortunately, they're going to be at home for their next five games. And the last two, unfortunately, are going to be versus the Dodgers. Uh, on Tuesday, however, they are hosting the Astros. Let's talk about that here. The hot or not list brought to you by the Los Angeles City Cast. I don't know how to tag that one out, but we'll just we'll play around with it. We're moving on to the Angels, who are playing Tuesday. And the last time they played Houston in Houston, the first week of July, so very recently, not but a week ago, they were swept. Yeah, Shohei Otani did not pitch in that series. He will pitch in this one, allegedly, supposedly. But on the mound for Tuesday, Noah Syndergaard, who's got a 5-7 and seven win-loss record. I think that that's a little unfortunate. Win-loss doesn't always tell the story here. Uh, in his last outing on July 5th versus the Marlins, Syndergaard recorded eight strikeouts, which was a new season high for him and the most he's had with the Angels. He had seven strikeouts in the game before. Before that, we're sitting more around, you know, fours, fives, or less. So I do expect... A little regression for him here. I don't expect that to continue necessarily. I don't think he's like turned a corner, but I also don't think that he's responsible for all of these losses. I mean, he's received little to none on the run or hit support. Uh, I mean, even just in his last game on the fifth, the Angels had one run and it was after he was out of the game. Like, please, geez. Uh, he's also allowed five, three, and two earned runs in his last three outings. So a little bit all over the board. Five or more of his hits. Uh, he's allowed five or more hits in five of his last six games as well as the other trend I wrote down here. So I would say if there's a hits prop that you wanted to look over for Noah, if you're just like really looking for a prop or looking for an Angels bet, that might be worth a look. Five or more hits for uh, him that he's allowed in five of his last six games. Uh, as for Luis Garcia... Four straight wins with him on the mound, also against the Astros offense, if that wasn't clear. Uh, Luis Garcia on the mound for the Astros. Four straight wins for them with him on the mound. Of course, he is getting a little bit of run support, just a touch. Uh, he's thrown six or more strikeouts in five of his last seven games. If you're looking for a strikeout prop, six or more for him in five of the last seven. And if you want to bet on the Angels, Shohei Otani is pitching on Wednesday. So just maybe wait. You're going to have to pay a price for it because, again, the books know how good Shohei is. But do they? The disrespect on some of these MVP markets. But, yes, Shohei pitching on Wednesday. And it will be versus Javier, who did get the win last time they faced off against them a week ago, 8-1. to one. So, should be interesting, to say the least. I'm off the Angels for now, for obvious reasons. The Dodgers, however, are at the Cardinals on Tuesday. Mitch White on the mound, last pitch versus the Rockies. He had some control issues in his last outing, but he did hold the Rockies hit list for five and a third innings before Brendan Rodgers hit a single to center, kind of messed that up. And on that, Cody Bellinger committed an error, allowed Chris Bryant to score from first base. White was taken out after retiring one more batter. He ended up with a no decision, thanks to that Dodgers late game comeback, but he he had a really great outing, and so he deserved to get a win there, unfortunately. Walker Bueller, Andrew Haney have been out, and he stepped up. He's been effective. 2.22 ERA, 1.09 whip, um, and that's over 28 and a third innings and six appearances since May 26. So very, very solid step up for Mitch White. The Dodgers, do they not do anything but farm excellent talent? They do. Uh, Matthew Liberator opposite on the mound. The rookie, most recently, 
Am I saying that right? Liberatore. It's probably like, like it sounds like it would be Liberatore. Okay. Anyways, uh, he struck out four in four shutout innings, allowed three hits and three walks. That was last Thursday uh, in their win over Atlanta, three to two in extra innings, believe it or not. He threw just 41 of 74 pitches for strikes. So not as clean as you'd like, but was still able to hold Atlanta scoreless. He held his opponent scoreless three times through six starts this season and has allowed, or in the big league, excuse me, and has allowed at least four runs over three other times. So happy for him. Blessed. But I like Mitch in this spot. The Cardinals offense certainly needs a little boost and they could get it here against the Dodgers. I don't think so. I have faith in Mitch. Uh, the Dodgers should be able to get this done. And what else is new? It's, it seems hilarious to be like, who's going to win this game? Like, the, I mean, usually the Dodgers are going to be favored in most every game. So I'm going to say the Dodgers have the higher chance of winning, if you can believe it or not. But you can look other places to bet. Props are a great market. Mitch White under his earned runs. We don't have these up, obviously, yet at the time of recording. But if you could get something like under one and a half earned runs, that's where I would look for Mitch White. Yeah. Enjoy that. Coming up, WNBA is back in action on Tuesday. There'll be Tuesday edition of the LA City Cast this week, as I mentioned, since I'll be in Las Vegas for VSIN. So, no Wednesday. We'll have a Tuesday edition, and Calvin Wetz will be here to break it all down. So, instead, coming up, let's talk about WNBA All Star Weekend a little bit more, and more importantly, where the teams are at so far, who's been winning, who's been covering, who should be MVP. We'll have all that and more next on the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every Tuesday during the season. Use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide, log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Danielle Alvari checking back in for some WNBA talk. Some exciting things coming forward in the WNBA in case, in case you care. And you should care because if you're getting in on this level to start betting the WNBA, this is a great time because as the league continues to expand, you're going to already have a head start, a season under your belt compared to someone who's just getting involved because, oh, now there's a team in my city. What? Yes, there might be a team coming to your city. Uh, Kathy Engelbert opened her news conference uh, at the All-Star Weekend announcing some changes that are on the horizon for the WNBA. Beginning with dun -dun -dun -dun, chartered flights. What a luxury for both of the teams in the WNBA finals this year. Oh, okay. So not... That is unfortunate. Yes, no. No non-chartered flights for the whole year. Is anyone else... We don't forget. We don't forget on this show. Uh, when the New York Liberties owner decided to charter them some flight and was f flights and were fined a million dollars, they ended up only having to pay half of it. So generous. Only $500,000 uh, because it gave them a competitive advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how competitive the W would be if they all had the chartered flights. I don't even want to... Also, not that anybody who would say this would probably be listening to this podcast, but I don't want to hear the, uh, well, make more money and then they can have the... No. Mm invest, invest in women, invest in the WNBA. Let's move on. Um, the chartered flights are both teams in the WNBA finals this year. That is something we will take it. Also a 50% increase to the postseason bonus pool. Love to see that pay them. Also, uh, the regular season schedule will expand. 
36 games this year, 40 next year, and two teams to be added by 2025. She said she's hoping by 2024. If we know, if anybody's ever worked anywhere in any office setting of any kind, you know that whatever the date is promised, it's probably a year after that. So 2025 is promised probably later than that, I'm thinking. And 2024, wouldn't that be, that is like, it's fun to imagine. Uh, she did say that probably 10 to 15 cities were interested in hosting WNBA teams. First one that comes to mind for me that I'd be very excited for would be Oakland from the Bay Area. Give me an Oakland team. Absolutely. Uh, but she said that they're meeting here and there and are taking calls with interested ownership groups. And they're looking for the right ownership groups with the right commitment, the right arena. We get it. You want the right thing. Let's do it. The right thing, expanding the league. Let's do it. But honestly, selfishly, and I know it's, it's not, it's not the whole picture, but like the talent has gotten so good and so condensed because you have to be so elite right away to make it on a WNBA roster right now. So yes, I'm looking forward to the expansion, but also I'm selfishly enjoying the cream just not rising to the top. It's all, it's, all, it's spread around so evenly in the league. The whole league is cream right now. It's excellent. That said, WNBA All-Star Game went on on Sunday at what was basically the crack of dawn for me. I'm just kidding. It was like 11 a.m. on a Sunday. That Can't a woman sleep in? Yeah, past 11 a.m. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Nevertheless, we survived. We got through it. Asia Wilson's team won 134 to 112, which is what we said on this podcast. Come on, guys. I can't even believe the line for this. I know it has to be. It's probably a respect thing at this point that, like, you know, the captains both picked their teams, but they're all WNBA All-Stars, so one team can't necessarily be 20 points better than the other team. Mm, you're right. This team was 22 points better than the other team. And... Yet the line was, I believe Asia's team was, when I saw it, was plus one. It was the underdog by one point. So really a toss-up game here. And of course they won 134 to 112. Just taking a look at the combination, the, the combo of the roster. Plus Becky Hammond was in charge of that team. No, no shade of James Wade, the Chicago Sky coach who was running Brianna Stewart's team. Just all in all seemed like the Asia's team was stacked. And we saw that transpire in this game that had some really unique rules, by the way, in case you missed it, the WNBA all-star game instituted some new rules, which I'm sure they love to just experiment with. And one of them was a four point shot. So there were two circles on each side of the court and four total that if they even just had like a foot in it counted, I believe as a four point shot. And let me tell you, they took advantage of it. They definitely tried to shoot them and it was met with mixed reviews. I think, I think some people were living for it. And I think basketball, I want to say purists were a little bit uh, not in favor of it. I personally didn't enjoy the game very much. Last year's game was so good because it was Team USA versus the All-Stars who were not selected for Team USA, including Miss Candace Parker. And they showed up and showed out. There was defense played. It was so fun to watch. And the All-Stars beat Team USA. So that was just so entertaining. This, for me, not as much. There was also a 20-second shot clock, so much faster. And... Um, I don't know. All in all, I know it's supposed to be a run it and gun it type of game. And that's what you, what we've come to expect, at least from the men's all-star games. But this was just not as fun for me. Also automatic points for free throw attempts. So no free throws were played except for in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime. So it wasn't that entertaining to me personally. Uh, but the talent could not be denied. Kelsey Plum, by the way, winning uh, the, uh, MVP of the game. She recorded 30 points 
and became the 2022 WNBA All-Star MVP and was given the world's tiniest trophy. Just kidding. It, was, it wasn't the tiniest, but it was pretty small. It's probably the smallest one I've seen in a professional sporting setting. It was like kind of embarrassing. And it's funny because usually I see a trophy in a professional sporting setting and think, wow, could they have made it bigger? Like that's insane. It's too big. It's insane. And in this situation, I was like, well, we, I mean, we could have, was there, was there a budget for this or what, what was going on? So uh, that also is unfortunate because even on Twitter, I'm seeing like, oh, Kelsey Plum's small WNBA MVP trophy for the All-Star game has drawn, you know, a buzz or whatever. And I'm like, that's what drew a buzz? <laughs> the only thing I've seen on Twitter were negative things about the fan experience and this tiny trophy. And then Ari Chambers doing the Lord's work with the WNBA, doing some really cute, fun interviews. Um, and I don't mean cute in like a negative way. I meant that I really enjoyed them. Uh, I don't know why when cute started becoming a negative thing. Have you guys noticed that? This is a sidetrack. But sometimes like if girls say that something's cute, it's like, oh, that was like a, like a, I don't know if I can say the B word on here, but like thing to say. Um, and I want to reclaim cute because I don't ever mean it in a negative way when I say that something's cute. That said, the cute trophy... <laughs> That time I did. That time I did. The cute trophy that Kelsey was given was pretty hilariously small and uh, showed a complete lack of, of awareness in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know if that was, you know, a resounding endorsement for like, hey, watch this next year. But three-point contest is definitely fun to bet on. And uh, now, by the way, two years in a row for me on selecting the correct team to win, being on the right side. So that's two years in a row. Let's keep it going next year. As for this year, who's winning? Who's covering? That's what I want to know. That's what we all want to know. The Aces still sit at the top of the straight-up record. Or, excuse me, Chicago. Excuse me. Chicago uh, finally surpassing the Aces, now 16-6 and six straight up. The Aces behind them at 15-6, and six, and Seattle behind them at 15-8. and eight. I didn't even update my list here because I'm like, what's going on? Uh, but, yeah, Chicago ahead of the Aces by one game right now. And it's funny because, again, we talked at the start of the season, oh, can Chicago repeat? And, oh, nobody's repeated in the WNBA since the early 2000s. So what? That's a terrible reason for saying it can't happen, especially because they retain so much of their talent. And we're seeing that happen. Uh, it's interesting because last season, this is not how their season went. They weren't sitting in the top position, top two position. They were really in the middle of the pack, kind of struggling. And then Candace Parker joined the midseason and things took a turn for the better. So we're seeing them kind of more towards the top of the charts this year. How that's going to affect them heading into playoffs, good or bad, we will see. They are 10-11-1 ATS. The Aces are also 10-11 ATS. And Seattle, surprise, surprise, 11-12 ATS right now. Quite a shift for them as far as the ATS uh, records against the spread because Seattle was near the bottom, maybe 9th, 10th in the against the spread. And then lo and behold, has moved up. Uh, 11 and 12 now around like the seven spot. So big improvement there from Seattle, a team that's always been fully capable, but hasn't been fully together, healthy, and now has freaking Tina Charles in addition to Brianna Stewart. So unfair. You might've forgot about the Connecticut sun. I haven't 14 and eight straight up 10 and 12 ATS so far. And then Washington, my favorite team to bet on 14 and 10 straight up. 15 and 9 ATS, still at the top of the board for covering the next closest. Can you guess? Can you? I wouldn't have guessed this. Minnesota, the Lynx, 13 and 10 against the spread. We'll talk about some trends while we're at it. Washington has covered four straight, straight up wins over Connecticut and Las Vegas. That Las Vegas one, one is, wasn't overtime. Washington's on it. They're lit. They can win. They're a contender. 
That's why I have a ticket on them. They were the last feasible championship winner that had the longest odds. And so I grabbed that at 15 to one for me. That's for me. Some people will tell you, oh, you can take this team at longer odds. That by all means. Uh, another trend that is so fun and was provided to us by the lovely Calvin Wetzel, who again will be joining us on Tuesday's show. If I haven't said that 8 million times on this podcast, but just it's on my mind because I don't usually do back-to-back days of the podcast. 22-0. 22-0. That's quite a good trend. Second quarter unders for the Mystics against teams that are not the Las Vegas Aces. So if they're not playing the Aces, the second quarter under hit 22 times in a row. 22-0. So yes, versus the Aces, both of them went over. The Aces have the first, you know, the leading offense in the league, first offensive rating. So no surprise there necessarily. And the Mystics having to accommodate that. But 22-0 second quarter unders against team not laying the aces. That's, listen, we don't blindly bet trends, but we track them and we try to look at the why. Why is that happening? And that Washington defense and also the fact that their offense for some reason like just falls off in the second quarter. They focus more on the defense. Who knows? Uh, we'll ask Calvin about that, what his thoughts are on why we're seeing this 22-0. More trends. New York covered seven of their last 10. They beat the Sun, the Mystics, and the Aces straight up. But they've lost to worse teams in that time period. So I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> it's so frustrating with the with the New York Liberty. But Suffice it to say, they've covered seven of the last 10. I'm looking forward, expecting, hoping that they're going to be making the playoffs and they can make some noise there. We've talked about this before on the show too with guests that New York is going to be a team that you don't want to see in that first round. Minnesota, Minnesota, covered eight of their last 10, six straight in that stretch. And so no surprise that they're sitting second best ATS in the league right now, right behind the Mystics. Incredible work by Sylvia Fowles and co uh, really turned the corner. And is it too late for them to make playoffs to string enough wins together to do it? Meanwhile, Seattle, six of their last eight they've covered. Six of their last eight. Five of their last seven games have gone over. So that's, again, a corner turned for Seattle where I think at the start of the year, you're expecting certain numbers and games to happen out of a Sue Bird and Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart led team. And you were not getting that at all. You were getting a lot of unders and you were getting some underperformance overall. And they were able to kind of get wins or, or sling things together because Brianna Stewart, my goodness, we'll talk about MVP in just a moment here, but Brianna Stewart, like this team, the single-handedly most important player to the spread this year, maybe, maybe besides Elena Deladon, right, right there, those two. So, they were able to kind of string some wins together, but they weren't really living up to their potential. So they were just horrific at covering spread. Chicago at the start of the season as well, because they were shorthanded, didn't have Kalia Copper yet, weren't at full strength. Allie Quigley missed some games. So just these teams that are elite finally coming up to perform at that level. Atlanta, a team that I never give their due. I never give them their due, but they're number one in defensive rating. They are. My question is, why then have seven of their last 10 games gone over? That point spread doesn't keep up, right? This, the pace of this team is so fast that even though they have that, ex, that incredible defensive rating, seven of their last 10 have gone over. And yes, there's been some injuries. Nia Coffey's been out. There's been players in and out of this lineup, and that's affected their defense as well, and it's become a little bit more offensive reliant, and that's unfortunate because this is just not a team that closes games. Uh, they had a really 
tough, I think 20 plus more point loss to the Mystics recently. And that was not a game that surprised me. And it was really just a matter of veteran, strong emphasis on defense team in the Mystics versus a younger Atlanta team that is still kind of figuring out their rhythms. So I'm still not sold on Atlanta. I'm not sold on the dream. I'm not. The Chicago Sky, by the way, just the most balanced team. Six players averaging between 13.9 and 10.3 points. So that kind of affects MVP discussions too for me. How are you going to put Candace Parker in there? I think she's the second leading scorer and I believe assists or rebounds on her team. Just really, really well-balanced team. And another reason why they have the depth and the talent to be able to win another championship. The Lynx, meanwhile... Uh, we already talked about the Minnesota Lynx. Moving on. The Aces, <laughs> two and eight in their last 10 games against the spread. Two and eight. They've only covered twice. And one of them was very narrow by a half point, I believe. The Aces have fallen off a bit. We talked about depth being an issue. This break is going to be necessary for them. We'll see where it goes from here. Still absolutely a contender, but going to be very tough to win with only five players helping you in the plus minus column. As far as MVP, wrapping things up here, there's three names that I wanted to take a look at. Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, and Kelsey Plum. All three, of course, at the top of the odds board. We talked about that at the top of the show. Uh, Brianna St or Asia Wilson sitting around, you know, the plus 100s. Brianna Stewart, same situation. And then Kelsey Plum at 6-1 to one on Bet Rivers. The problem with Asia and Kelsey, they're both on the same team. They're going to take votes from each other. And what about Jackie Young? Jackie Young's been incredible, too. She missed a couple games with injury, but I could be really talked in to a Jackie Young MVP vote as well. All of them starters on the Las Vegas Aces. Now, Brianna Stewart just doing elite things. Her 1.3 turnovers per game are a career low. She's had the league's lowest turnover percentage, 6.5% of the place she finishes. That's according to basketballreference.com. Plus, more importantly, the 25-point differential per 100 possessions in Seattle's net rating with her on the floor on the bench so or on the and on the bench so just this huge differential between when she's in the game and when she's not and you don't even need a stat to tell you that you can watch the game and you can see it yourself uh they come and go with her i say that about elena deladon and the mystics and that's true too but the mystics at least have had to play a little bit more without edd and have had to figure out how to win without her uh the storm haven't had to do that and i don't think can do that i, I just i not not a title winning team without brianna stewart now, you've added Tina Charles, so yes, that added a whole other asterisk to this mix, but I said what I said. Let's move on. Asia Wilson, <laughs> centerpiece of so much of what Vegas does. She's putting up career highs in field goal percentage, rebounds, and we talk about her three-pointers. Since when does Asia Wilson shoot three-pointers? I love it. 34.8% three-point field goal percentage this season. Very impressive for her to add that to her arsenal in her game. And then Kelsey Plum, she scored, obviously, all-star game record, 30 points. She became the all-star MVP. She is just lit from within with energy right now, and it shows in this season for her. But as far as an MVP odds award go, a true guard hasn't won this honor since Diana Taurasi in 2009. So that's a hard sell for me. It's a hard sell, but maybe it's time. Maybe it's due, you know? With that said, we'll have another podcast on Tuesday. Look forward to that. We'll preview all five of the WNBA games. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Back in action on Tuesday. So come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.